0: Hi everyone, this is Connor Gilsonen and you're listening to the All Things Auth podcast. On this show, I talk to creators, researchers, founders, and advocates who are moving the ball forward on usable security and privacy. We discuss how they got to where they are today and what they're currently working on. Who are they trying to help and what keeps them motivated to overcome challenges along the way? The goal, as always, is for the rest of us to learn from their experiences and go on to promote usable security and privacy within our own projects and organizations. Joining me today is Tanya Janka. Tanya is like a superhuman and does a million incredible things all at once. She's a senior cloud advocate for Microsoft, where she gets to help other developers learn how to integrate security into their software and processes. She also helps run DevSlop, an OWASP project created by her and three friends who wanted to learn how to weave security through DevOps and help educate others along the way. And finally, Tanya is a ferocious advocate for mentoring others and encouraging the adoption of multi-factor authentication. I'm sure I've missed a bunch of other things, but Tanya, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show and share your knowledge with us.
1: That is the absolute best intro I've ever had. Thank you, Connor. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. It is mind-blowing how many projects and efforts and movements you are a part of. And it's a pleasure to have you on the show and learn about what you're working on.
1: Thank you. Thanks for reaching out to me on Twitter and um, being on board with my obsession with multi-factor authentication that I have right now.
0: Well, that is definitely an obsession that we both share. Multi-factor authentication is something that we both know can help a bunch of people why don't you just catch people up and give some background for what you're working on right now trying to help people adopt multi-factor authentication
1: okay so i live in canada and in canada we basically have six banks and of them only one or two actually offer multi-factor authentication for users so a bunch of them offer it for their business clients but if you are a regular mom and pop type of person They won't actually let you use multi-factor authentication. And I bank with a bank called Tangerine, and they're awesome, except they don't let me use multi-factor authentication. So I started tweeting at them and being annoying. And I was like, hey Tangerine, (laughs) I'd really like to have multi-factor authentication. So then, because I'm me, and I get obsessed with like topics. So then I wrote a blog post and I explained what multi factor authentication is and then why it's important. So, what if we explain it? How about we talk about what it is? Is that cool, Connor?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, as much as we talk about uh, multi factor authentication and two factor and passwords and all this stuff on the show, I know there's a lot of technical people listening, but there's also a great opportunity to try to help other people who don't understand all of the background get caught up and understand how this is helpful, particularly something like your bank or your email that's really sensitive, it's important to know. So definitely give us the background.
1: I think also it could help super technical people so that they can explain it to like their mom, their dad, their sister, their brother, their kid, their friends, their colleagues at work. Okay, so here's how I would explain it to someone that's super smart but is not a computer science-y person. Okay, so authentication means making sure you're the real you. So I'm the authentic Tanya Jenka. I'm not someone else pretending to be Tanya. I'm not another person who has the same name. I'm actually like me. When we do authentication on a computer, it's a computer making sure that Tanya is Tanya. So like, how can a computer tell I'm me? It doesn't have eyes like Connor. So it can't just like look at me and be like, oh yeah, that looks like Tanya, I see that purple hair. But, (laughs) Um, and so it needs to figure out how you are you. And there's three ways or three factors that it can figure out that you're you. And so the first one is you can tell it a secret, right? So I'm gonna tell it, hey, I'm Tanya, and here's my password, and that's my secret. And it's like, oh, only Tanya would know that secret. Okay, that's probably her. But if I want something to be more secure, I would use other factors as well. So another factor is a thing I am. So you in person, Connor, you can just see me and look at me and you're like, oh yeah, it's Tanya, right? But computers can't see. Right? So things that they can do, there's like facial recognition, there's iris scans, there's fingerprints, there's all sorts of things to verify physically that you are you. So that's a thing you are. And the password, the secret is a thing that you know. The last thing is a thing that you have. So a thing that you have, for a lot of people is a phone, right? So you're Mm -hmm. on your computer, you do stuff, you do stuff with your phone, you can also have like a fob that like Duo has, I believe, and you like stick in the side of your computer, you press the button and it's like, hey, that's her. Only she would know that thing and have that thing. Um, I personally use, because I work for Microsoft, guess what, spoiler alert, I use Microsoft Authenticator. So it's a thing on my phone. So I'd have to have my phone and it installed, and then I have to authorize it. Like we were talking about yeah. earlier, I had this embarrassing thing happen on Microsoft Ignite the Tour. So Cloud Shell and I, are like literally almost always having a divorce because it's fine and then i go on stage and i'm doing a demo in front of hundreds of people and then it's like i'm gonna lock you out four times in a row because i think this is funny um and it's not it's very stressful to present in front of other people and do a live demo and then be logged out i literally on stage i'm a cloud shell i'm not kidding i'm gonna break up with you um but so i had to reauthenticate in front of the whole audience and so i did three factors of authentication. So first I put in my password and my username. So it's a thing I know. And then I did a thing I have. So I pulled out my phone. I'm like, this is a thing I have. And I opened up Microsoft authenticator. And then I use my fingerprint, which is locally stored within my device. And then it authenticated. So my fingerprints, the thing I am. Right. Mm-hmm. And so explaining those things usually like helps a lay person understand. I'm like, okay, so those are ways that I can show a computer on me, but why do I give a crap? Right. Like, Only I know my password. Unfortunately, sometimes other people know your password too. Every time we hear on the internet that something got hacked, usually what they mean is there's a data breach. And when there's a data breach, sometimes it's social insurance numbers, and sometimes it's how much the employees get paid, and sometimes it's health data, and sometimes it's your username and password. Yeah for for everyone ever I suggest signing up for haveibeenpwned.com which is a super cool open source project by Troy Hunt although like I love the product I hate it when I get emails from Troy because then I know I know that I've been owned <laughs> and so it tells you if you've been in one of those breaches where your username and password together are out there and so the whole thing that is so important about having a second factor of authentication, like not just using your password, is that. So let's say like it's your bank and it's all your money. So Tangerine, you've got all my money, you have all of it, and I like it. Actually, they have half. Well, Simple has the other half, and Well Simple has multi-factor.
0: Ooh. Okay. <laughs> burn!
1: So if someone got my my username and my password or my card number, so like let's say they have my credit card or they have my bank card number, and then somehow they figure out what my password is, I, mm-hmm. I have a pretty good one, but you never know, right? Then a lot they of could people just don't though, right? They, yeah, a lot of people's passwords are right now summer twenty nineteen. And guess what? Mm -hmm. In 90 days, it's going to switch to fall 2019 and then winter 2019, which makes me sad for many reasons. But when you have more than one factor, that means someone has to prove you're the real you. So, like, let's say you get a phishing email and you click on that link and you go to it and it looks just like the real site and you enter your username and your password. When it doesn't ask you to verify with another way, you'll be like, oh, that's not right. Or... If you're like me and you have a password manager, my password manager is called 1Password. So when I click the button and say, fill out my password, it will go, you don't have a password for this piece of crap site. This is not your site. No, Danger Will Robinson. (laughs) And so by having two factors, You would see like why is it why is it not asking me this and you'll see that something's wrong and when they take that username and password that they stole from you and they go to my bank and they try to log in they wouldn't be able to because it will be like okay so you know the secret but are you tanya do you have do you have her phone or her her other thing that she has do you have her special fob that gives like special numbers no do you have her fingerprint no well you're not tanya and so then all your mm-hmm. money stays in your bank account, nice and safe, instead of financing black market activities that I don't think you probably want to finance. And so that is, that's is—that's how I would explain it. My family has heard this speech, yeah.
0: <laughs> yep, my family has heard the same speech, and as much as it is fun to talk with our friends and our family. I just think it's a great opportunity that we just rehash the basics here. And I really like that you highlighted it's not just for people who aren't familiar. It can be really complicated to explain this to our friends and our family and our colleagues and people Mm -hmm. who aren't aware. Mm -hmm. Um, And understanding good ways to communicate it is always helpful. So that's really good to set the, the groundwork. I share your frustration with the lack of companies out there that offer two-factor authentication support i know that you're aware of a site called twofactorauth.org which is a community-maintained database of websites that do or do not support two-factor bank is a category on there so you could go there and look up your bank and see if they support two-factor and Sadly a lot of them don't or mm-hmm. maybe they support two factor but they don't support a really strong type of two factor.
1: Yes. Yes. There's there's two other things that we should mention here. So one is that you created a super cool tool. <laughs> Are we allowed to talk about your tool?
0: Sure of it's course. It's how we met. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: So Connor created a tool with a friend, right?
0: Yep. So the tool is called 2FA Notifier Mm -hmm. and it is a browser extension for Chrome and Firefox that I created with my good friend Ray Ray Gonzalez, who is a phenomenal designer. He really brought the project to life with character and personality. But what 2FA Notifier does is it uses data from twofactorauth.org, the website we just mentioned, Mm -hmm. and it tries to make it as proactive and available as possible so twofactorauth.org is great it's a fantastic resource but someone has to know what's available and remember to go and use it and look up different websites as mm-hmm. they create new accounts or potentially the security for an account they already have might change over time as the service changes the types of two factor and things like that they make mm-hmm. available so the idea with 2fa notifier is you install it once in your browser. And then as you go about your normal activities and say you go to your bank website, it will check to see if your bank is in the known list of sites that support two-factor. And if it is, it'll give you a little pop-up and it'll say, hey, you're on your bank and your bank supports two-factor. You should really consider setting that up.
1: Maybe maybe you should, right? I, I think that that's great. Just like a little, by the way, if you wanted to, you could do this. Like even Reddit, which is the underbelly of the entire internet, allows multi-factor authentication. I am currently banned from four different security subreddits. Oof. Yeah, and I'm proud of it. That's right. <laughs> I'm banned for sharing articles I wrote. <laughs> I'm like. Mm-hmm. B-
0: banned for sharing good knowledge.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll get like the letter that I'm banned under like ten thank you messages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh Reddit. <laughs> But, like, even they offer it, right? Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I wanted to mention, too, is a hashtag that some of us started, my friends Frank and John, uh, where it's, like, MFA Ally. And so what the three of us are trying to do right now, uh, so this is what happens when AppSec nerds become friends on the internet, they do appsec nerd things together. And so we've started all just sharing little things to try to help people know how and when to enable multi-factor authentication. And our goal and our hope is that more people enable a second factor of authentication on all their important accounts. So number one, Mm -hmm. if you have a cloud provider Maybe like the one I work for. Turn on multi-factor authentication on, on your subscription. Oh my gosh, is the keys literally to your castle. Oh my gosh, please. Mm-hmm. Azure will tell you all the time, please, 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 MFA. Did you? No, did you? please. You <laughs> it's very, very clear.
0: Yeah, I've seen presentations for Azure and one of the things that's jumped out at me given my focus on multi-factor authentication is they said, Last year, we shared a statistic of what percentage of the accounts enabled multi-factor. We'll share it again this year, but the summary is that it hasn't gone up all that much. And it was just a a cry to the audience. Please enable two-factor. This is really helpful. It will secure your account much better. Please enable it. Please enable it.
1: Just enable it on your important stuff. Right, like I don't know if someone breaks into my Reddit, like oh that sucks. Well, they do get me banned from more subreddits. It's not the end of the world for me, but if someone got into my Azure account, we were talking about this briefly before. Like I work for Microsoft, I'm a security advocate. It would be so humiliating on so many levels if my account got hacked. Like I just cannot tell you how professionally embarrassing that that would be and harmful to my reputation. It's like oh she's supposed to teach us about security, and then like someone owns her her Azure subscription, like no and so when I give demos I'm like here's a video of how to do it because there's just literally no way I'm gonna disable it no mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. and yeah so if you are an administrator of anything MFA if it's your bank or there's money in it MFA uh, mm-hmm. oh did you know did you know that PayPal just came out so it, they've had SMS based multi-factor authentication for quite a long time but they just came out being compatible with all the authenticator apps. They just came out with that. Oh, so I just, I just flipped that on and I wrote a blog article to be an MFA ally, try to help more people know about it. But like they didn't send out a newsletter and tell people. So then when I announced it, people are like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, I just, I had to send money to someone and I've sort of made it a habit to check, which I mm-hmm. shouldn't have to do. Come on. PayPal should be screaming it from the rooftops. Like, Hey, guess what, guys? Security just got better. Protect your money. So totally. if, it's, if it's money, if it's your health, if it's something to do with your health, if it's something to do with your children, yep, yep. If it's something to do with work or, like, serious resources, so, like, if you work in a data center or you, like, work for a cloud provider, something, all of that, very serious. If it is yeah. something that would embarrass the living crap out of you if it got onto the internet, MFA, have, have you heard, do you follow that woman on Twitter, Jessie Irwin? She's awesome. Mm-hmm. And she has... These, like, cute little, I'm um, Raptor things. She's, like, multi-Raptor authentication, and I just love it. And so she has this thing, like, if you liked it, then you should have put some crypto on it. <laughs> and so I feel like if you like it, then you should put some MFA on it. Just like Jessie says, multi-Raptor <laughs> authentication. Uh, I like her messaging and the way she explains things, so it's, like, fun. But also, like, that's the perfect way to look at it. Like, as Beyonce says, if you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. But if you like it, put... Protect it, lock that down.
0: I really like that you are highlighting the fact that not every single account needs to have two-factor authentication. There are some very legitimate reasons why two-factor authentication adoption rates are pretty low and we can talk about some of those, but the reality is that there's some sites and some accounts that everyone has that are the most valuable to them. know we talked about bank accounts some social media sites might be important for some people and not for others and this is really driving at threat modeling and the fact that everyone is going to have their own personal threat model of what is important for them to protect versus someone else where it might not be as important for them and it makes sense to start by securing the accounts that are the most important for you according to your threat model
1: yes that is such a good point that is really, really, really quite an excellent point, actually, um, because my threat model is different than your threat model, which is different than my mother's threat model, which is different than your mother's threat model.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: Our friends, our siblings, our children, all of that. And I, I feel like a threat modeling is a, a thing that we need to talk with people about, too. But I feel like that would be a whole other show. But since I've since I've joined security, I I have learned to think in a brand new way, and uh, yeah, I see the world in a new light. We'll just say that. And um, yeah, it's it's funny. Um, I like I work in tech, so you know I'm I'm a woman. I work with like a lot of dudes my whole life, right? And sometimes I'll explain to them a thing, and they're like, "Whoa." <laughs> like not in their threat model right Uh, I was in Brazil and I was like leaving a restaurant and I only wanted to go if there were two or more of us and I wanted to pay for the cab to pick us up right at the door and I wanted like a certain type of cab and they're like why I'm like I am a woman in South America I am a white woman especially so I stick out plus I'm super tall and people on average are shorter there so I even more stick out and I I have purple hair and it just says like probably you want what's in my purse, if not other things, right? And like, it's just not the same as if a, a, a big dude is walking somewhere. It's just not the same. There's not the same concerns. And one of the guys seemed really, I don't want to say he was gaslighting me or anything like that, but he just, he was just like, what's your problem? You're overreacting. And I was like, guess what, sweetheart? You can do whatever you want in regards to your safety and your threat model. And I'll do what's good for me. Also like F off. Right. And mm-hmm. it's just the same as like, I have like a lot of followers on Twitter. Thank you for following me on Twitter. If you do, um, so maybe my account has more value and I would want to have multi-factor on that. Well, for instance, like my open source project, DevSlop, I think we're the coolest project in the whole world. But it turns out that not everyone else on the Internet does. What? Um, so we so we have like a very, very, very small fraction of the number of followers I have. Also, there's a whole bunch of us trying to manage it at the same time. And we step on each other's toes, but nicely. <laughs> it's hard to manage a Twitter account with more than one person, anyway. Yes. Um, and so,
0: unfortunately, that is so true.
1: Well, like, there's this thing called TweetDeck now, but I'll just get off. that's too much off topic. But the point is, is like, it's just not the same threat model. Like, we're not concerned that people are going to steal our our DevSlop Twitter account and are like, you know. 600 followers, um, and all we ever do is tweet, like, yay, OWASP, this OWASP project did this, this OWASP project did that, yay, right, and, like, if it's off topic, I'll know, because I follow myself, but, yeah, like, there's different threat models, like you were saying, just the same as someone else who, like, just follows accounts, right, mm-hmm. and they they only have, like, four followers that are their close friends or whatever, and they never actually tweet, that person, their threat model's totally different, right, because if their account gets owned, like, who keeps crap, like, they, they just open another one. It's definitely not the end
0: of the world. Yep, there's definitely things you can do. And I think at the end of the day, the biggest challenge with security is that security experts are even having strong debates amongst ourselves about what is best practice, what's not best practice, what's reasonable, what's too excessive. And the average internet users who don't know what we know aren't even able to often make an informed decision about their privacy and their security online circling back to what you were talking about with this hashtag of mfa ally and the importance of recapping like we did how to communicate or one approach to communicate multi-factor authentication to people we just need to keep beating this drum of helping to educate people at the same time that the technology is getting better, that's a critical part too, but there are things that the average internet user can do right now to help protect their own accounts. And like you talked about with the threat modeling, everyone's going to have a different list of which is the most important sites for them for different reasons. So I, I can't express how much I think... All the work you're doing to try to help educate people is so great and this hashtag of mfa ally if anyone's listening and either knows about multi-factor authentication or really just wants to help spread the word use it on your social media accounts try to share good information like the article on tanya's blog and help teach the people who you know in your life about what they can do to take action
1: Yes, also like just search the internet for MFA Ally because I have a feeling more people will be using it. And if you enable MFA on another account, you could put that, like just put the MFA Ally and I just enabled MFA on blah. Because if someone sees a person they know doing that, that helps encourage them that they should do that. Or they might reach out to you and say, I don't mean to sound like I'm dumb and I don't know, but like, what does that mean? Be gentle and kind to that person. This is a person reaching out to you, asking for help. You should be so excited and pleased as a security person and give them the, what is it? The white glove treatment, roll out the red carpet, be like, Mm -hmm. let me tell you. Oh my gosh, sit down. I'm going to tell you all the stories of MFA. That regular person might become our security champion that tells all their family or their people at work or whatever, right? Like you never know who's going to be that person who ends up being your best ally, and then spreading the word so much further than you ever dreamed.
0: Totally. Yeah. I think there's unfortunately many examples of people in the InfoSec community not being positive and not taking this approach, which is a real shame. If someone's coming to you and they're trying to learn and they're asking you these questions, I mean, I couldn't agree more. You just want to help educate them. They're not dumb for not knowing. They know a bunch of stuff you don't know. They're Mm -hmm. just trying to learn. And if you know something and you can help them, that's a great opportunity to just do that. Just help them out.
1: Exactly, 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 exactly. Like, I feel that as a member of the InfoSec industry, that it is my duty to try to help and to move our industry forward and to push or industry forward if I need to. Like I'll say to people like pushing left and they're like, it's shifting, Tanya. I'm like, you know what? We're not always invited. And sometimes we have to be a little bit more assertive than shifting. Sometimes we have to push. I don't love the idea of naming and shaming, but tweeting at Tangerine Bank um, (laughs) lots of times. I even got a phone call from them. We had a really nice discussion. I don't want to quit banks and change to a new bank. I love my bank. I want my bank to protect all of its users, not just me, but offering better options for security. And yes, I know only 15% of people will take it, but oh my gosh, protect that 15%, right?
0: And the 15% you're referencing is just like a a ballpark number for the unfortunately low adoption rates of two-factor throughout the industry in general. You had mentioned that you got a call from Tangerine, and I'm wondering, was it positive? How did it go? Is there any larger movement that people can get involved in, or are there any specific actions they could take aside from calling their bank?
1: So definitely call your bank and fill out the contact form. Tangerine called me because I kept tweeting at them. And I promised them that I would keep tweeting at them until they agreed to release MFA for customers, like regular users, not just their business clients. Mm -hmm. And um, the woman on the phone was really nice, it was really clear that she got assigned to call the annoying person from Twitter. But like, she didn't act like that, but it was really clear. She's like, hi, so I've heard you have this complaint or this problem and I'd like to help. And she was super great. And she she was like, so we're recording this call. I'm like, good. Hi, everyone that's listening. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to my plea. So I am a cybersecurity expert and I, like, I use your bank. I love your bank, your bank's the shit. But <laughs> like, you know, could you... And I, I like tried to explain what, what was wrong Uh, and why it was important to me that they change their interface so it's more secure. She said, you know, thanks a lot, and I will play this for all the people, and hopefully the right people hear it, and it goes onto our list of features. I'm like, thank you. So I'm going to actually just, so like I schedule a bunch of tweets. I just need to schedule more tweets so that Tangerine knows that I still love them and I haven't forgot about them. Um, (laughs) I know a lot of people in the security industry have called like have messaged me privately and told me that they really 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 are very happy about what i'm doing however they currently work for a bank or their company is a vendor that sells to banks etc and they they can't afford to lose the business and i'm like i really hope that you wouldn't lose business for like you're not like screw you you don't have it you're like please i would really like this feature this feature is important to me i want you to know i'm interested don't be abusive Like if I call and I'm like angry at a company, I'm never abusive. I'm always like, hi, I'm having a problem. I need you to help me. I'm pretty upset about it, but like, I'm not going to treat you disrespectfully because I used to work at a computer repair store and I've had people yell at me (laughs) and, and like you didn't, I didn't break their computer. Right. So I'm like, so never be disrespectful. Oh, wait, like ask, like, this is a feature I'd really like. It's really important to me. Here's why it's important to me that like, you know, I love your bank. I don't want to switch banks. I want to stay with you, but have better security. Some of the banks have responded that, how to explain? So, if you lose money, if your account is emptied as a result of your bank being broken into online, that they will replace the money. Will you somehow replace all the stress I've had? What if I have a stroke and I have physical health problems because of the levels of stress? What about all the bo- the checks that bounce during that time or other things that don't go through? What if? You know my mortgage doesn't go through and the amount of time it takes you to put the money back in the account, then now I have a strike against my credit and none of this is my fault. Do you fix that? Do you pay me for the amount of hours at my hourly rate of how much time I've wasted? Because if you're not going to do all that, then how about instead just better security? Because that's what I really want. I want this to not happen in the first place. And I know that fraud online doesn't, like they're looking at it as a risk. It doesn't count, it doesn't count this much, like the amount of money wasted. But I just, I can't think that it costs that much to roll out that feature. And like, I know I work for Microsoft and I'm super biased, but definitely they'll send someone to run out and set it up for you if you want Right. Like, <laughs> like totally. there are so many awesome kick-ass consultants, not just from where I work that will do a great job and roll that out for you. Like it is a thing. And it like, it can't possibly cost less than, than that amount of fraud that it could stop. I just, I don't understand how those numbers could work. And also it's a feature. It's a feature. Good security is a feature. And even if only 15% of your customers recognize it as a feature that's fifteen percent of your customers that are like, yeah, my bank's the best, right? Like
0: it's only it's only fifteen percent today, but you know, mm-hmm. specifically what I'm working on to help increase those adoption rates, and many other people are working on too. You know, hopefully that grows, and there's yeah. tangible things that banks and other companies can do to to help that grow. And I, I love the point you highlighted about it's not just a business financial risk decision in terms of dollars. It really should take into account the empathy for users. If they're impacted, there is this cascading effect in their life. It's not just, okay, we put money back in, but all these other things that could come from that. So I couldn't agree more. And I also really liked that you highlighted the fact that you're gonna keep tweeting a tangerine. (laughs) And it's not just to be the annoying person who gets called from the bank, but I've talked to tons and tons and tons of people who are really smart, passionate people in InfoSec and they work in roles and they are not in the specific situation to make a decision or even if they strongly agree with us that a service should have multi-factor authentication. You know, companies have roadmaps and they have priorities and this one person you're talking to on the customer support account, they don't make that decision. So Mm -hmm. be respectful, like you said, but also we need to continue telling these companies that we need these security features so Mm -hmm. that it bubbles up to the people who do make the decision and the people who are in the trenches getting stuff done who agree with us and wanna take action can finally be given the permission and the resources and time to do what they know needs to be done. And we can help as the public by giving this feedback to the company so that the people in those decision roles can finally understand how important this is and how much we want it.
1: Yes. We can force positive change together. We can. If social media has taught me anything, it's the, it's the ability to organize lots of people that are passionate about the same things. And us as an industry, we can use it together to force positive change. We can do this. And we have before with many other things.
0: Just earlier, you mentioned that PayPal has upped their security a bit and yes. they now support the Authenticator app type of two-factor, which is great, but you didn't get an email about it. And that's a real shame because that's a missed opportunity for them to help increase their adoption rate of two-factor among their customers. So I guess the point here is that securing accounts isn't just a technical problem. It's a people problem, it's a process problem. There's so many different people at an organization who have a critical role to play in making sure that security of their system is as good as it can be. And in that situation, the people who are really critical are the communications people, the security Mm -hmm. people, helping educate the communications people to write a concise email and maybe test out a couple versions and see which one communicates something clearly and that actually gets their customers to take action and secure themselves.
1: I feel that security as an industry are awesome at keeping secrets but that we might not be so great at marketing and promotion of when we want people to do the right thing. I've had a lot of people argue, you know, oh, if, if there's two factor authentication, but it's only SMS, then it's garbage and we just shouldn't do it. SMS has weaknesses, right? There is weakness. And also a lot of people will argue, oh, well, if someone is doing the thing on their phone and the phone's already unlocked, and then they do two factor and it comes back, you know, and they get the text on their phone and then they get into your account, you know, then it's not really helping. However, that means someone already has physical access to your phone. It means they already also have the knowledge of whatever the information is to unlock your phone. Then they also have your username and your password and are aware that you have an account on that site in the first place to know to go get that. And then on top of that, then you only have the SMS authenticator action. So like that is one situation where that is ruined. However, like how many other, like how likely is that? Like if someone's going to spear you, and by that I mean a phishing email that is specifically tailored to you after they've done a ton of research because you are a specific and very important target, the likelihood of you clicking it is extremely high. Just mm-hmm. the same as if someone is doing an attack like that on you, the likelihood is extremely high that they have been targeting you for quite some time because the ability to physically have your phone, have it unlocked, and also have your username and password, those are three big, big, big things. The two being like having the phone and unlocking it and the other one being you have their username and password and know they have an account on that site. Like the likelihood Mm -hmm. of those two things happening mean you are a very high value target and if it's that important, you probably should have not just used SMS and you probably should have put some more advanced as a second or third factor of authentication. And you can have more than one of the same type of authentication as well. Same factor of authentication. Like you can have a username, a password, and then there's all these stupid security questions. However, what I do is I use my password manager and I generate a 64-bit random character for each one of them. So I'm like, haha, I have three different ones that are all stupid and you'll never guess them because I don't even know what they are. Mm-hmm. What is your mother's mid- middle name? Equal sign, exclamation mark, R, lowercase s, <laughs> right? Like you can do things like that to make it even more difficult. But if you are under such, if you are such a target that you are so important there's probably a lot of things going on there, right? And Mm -hmm. I am a firm believer that if your only option for multi-factor is SMS, that it's way better than no multi-factor and just having one factor. Like, I'll take it, I'll take what I can Mm -hmm. get.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, this is to reiterate again and again and again that threat model matters. SMS does have some security problems, no doubt about it, but The threat model for an average user, SMS might be a great option for them if there's a low chance that they're gonna be targeted specifically. And you know, someone can't always accurately estimate the odds that they'll be targeted. People get swept up in different types of attacks for services and you can't always judge the motivation of someone going after you. But the reality is SMS is definitely more secure as an additional security layer than Mm -hmm. not having it. In fact, Google just recently published some really interesting research where they found that accounts that had two-factor authentication enabled were significantly less likely to fall victim to a phishing attack. And this even applied to SMS, which is vulnerable to phishing attacks I guess right now the fishers aren't putting in the effort and automating and using some of these tools that are out there. They're really just trying to brute force, get in with a list of known passwords that are used by a lot of people. And as soon as they encounter resistance, they just give up. That's not going to be the case if someone is being targeted, like you uh, pointed out, but not everyone out there is being targeted. There are different methods of two-factor that are more secure than SMS and the challenge that someone might encounter is understanding what those trade-offs are and if they might be in a situation where it makes sense to use one of those methods. I think websites have a long way to go in terms of helping people make that decision.
1: I think that in most cases, you just need to be slightly more secure than average and you'll be safe in most situations. So if your threat model is low, you don't have like that many threats you're facing. Just having MFA SMS will protect you against most things. Maybe the average person doesn't know. Another thing that we could share with them so they understand the risks could be to discuss credential stuffing and rainbow credential stuffing. So I I heard this happened a few years ago where uh, this group, they took all of these dumped username and passwords... That were matched so when a username and a password are together and matched that's called a credential. They took a list of something like a hundred million of them and then ran them with a script against Aliexpress. Something like 20 million of the sets matched. Yeah and they got away with a lot of money and th- like that blew my mind when I heard about that. So that's called a credential stuffing attack. So now they're getting more advanced and what they're doing is they're doing a rainbow attack. So let's say your password is in the dump is password three. What they'll do is they'll do password one, password two, password three, password four, password five, password six, pass- all the way up to like maybe 10, right? Or if, you're, um, if your password is like spring 2019, they'll again put the numbers up and down or, or change, the, change the seasons, right? And so like a lot of people, what they have is like, uh, my friend Barb is cool, one. My friend Barb is cool, two. You just add a bunch of numbers on the end. And so then that makes it a rainbow because it's like um, a spread of numbers. They are getting so much better results. Why do hackers have to be so smart? Um, (laughs) Like as soon as I heard about that, I'm like, oh no, why can't they use their awesomeness for good? And so when, when people understand that, like that is a problem, suddenly it like clicks at a much more serious level, like, oh crap. I don't work for One Password, just to be clear, but and I, I just I just use it and really like it. But a bunch of passwords, uh, password managers do this cool thing, where they'll tell you like, oh, these um these sites had breaches, so you need to go change your password.
0: I just had the chance to chat with Pilar Garcia from One Password for the show, and she gave us all the background about. 1Password, how it's designed, and a lot of the helpful features that you just mentioned where it can let you know if a password is duplicated and if your password's weak and a bunch of these other things. While it's so great that there's tools out there like 1Password and many other password managers that have similar functionality for certain features, I think the big challenge is the adoption rate of password managers is pretty low across the average internet user corpus. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're talking through a lot of really helpful things right now that definitely have the light bulb go off for people
1: mm-hmm. once we're
0: able to sit down and chat with them for a couple minutes.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: most people are smart. They get it. They know they shouldn't be using reusing passwords. They know their passwords should be stronger. But the reality is they're just trying to get on with their day and buy something on Amazon or log into their work email or whatever. They can't remember all these passwords. And There is technology out there but it's still a big challenge for them and we don't always have the opportunity to educate them as much as we would like and the question also is not just how do we educate but should we really educate And that sounds like a weird question. And the answer is, yes, we should educate people. Maybe rephrasing that is the ideal situation is if people didn't have to be educated because the security was transparent and it was simple and they didn't have to understand the intricacies and the ins and outs of good passwords and bad passwords. And I think the industry is doing some great things to move in that direction, but Mm -hmm. we're still in the transition.
1: I could not agree more, Connor. Seriously, like, I buy a car, I have to learn how to drive. I don't have to configure my own airbag. I don't have to check my own brakes. And then people are like, stupid Tanya, gone to a car accident because she didn't tighten her brakes like she was supposed to. Right? Like, no one would say that. People would be horrified if there was something wrong with the car. The level of things that the InfoSec industry expects the average user to know, to me, means we're failing. I feel that smart people should be able to go on the internet and as long as they aren't making ridiculous mistakes, like buying, I don't know, magic beans, for instance, like, okay, so you get what you deserve. You probably have a lot of problems in life if you bought magic beans from someone, but the average person who is making generally good decisions in life should be able to use computers and use the internet and go and do the things that they need to safely without serious complications. And um, sometimes people are like, they think software developers should have to be absolute experts in security. Like people will tell me, oh, software developers should be in charge of threat modeling and they should be doing it themselves. And they should also be doing, you know, this and that and that and this. And I'm like, well, why do we have a job then if we're expecting them to do 100% of security themselves? Why is that? How's that reasonable? Are you Mm -hmm. setting them up for success or failure? Have you already decided every security problem is their fault? Because if there's a security problem and I haven't done something to prevent it, I feel it's my fault. If a person from help desk, not at not at Microsoft because they have very intensive security training everywhere, but previously I worked somewhere and a person from help desk made like really serious errors in managing an incident because I'd never given that person any training on what to do if there is an incident and how to recognize one. And so yeah. this person was trying so hard to manage everything themselves, ruining the chain of custody, scaring the crap out of all of our C-level executives. And the whole point of that is that, like, I feel that security people, when we're friendly and we use honey and we try to help first and lecture last, right? If you If you've told someone three times... And then they still go and do it. I mean, you need to have serious discussions. But if you've never tried to educate or help that person get to the right answer, like, who are you to point fingers?
0: And that's why I think this hashtag, to reiterate again, MFA Ally, start using it, is an opportunity for us in the InfoSec community who have this knowledge to share it within our community, but blast outside that bubble. Share it with our friends and our family and our other colleagues who aren't in the InfoSec community, who don't have the knowledge. And at the same time, back to what you said about average people having this completely and utterly reasonable expectation to use the internet and be safe while they're doing it without having to learn all the things that we know in our roles. There's some really tangible things we can do to move the needle, even as the next big paradigm shift in authentication technology comes along. And those are exciting things, but those have really long adoption cycles. And there's things we can do during that transition period. I'm glad you brought up 2FA Notifier, the extension that I built with my friend Ray. And that's just one small way where we can have a quick chat with someone, help them understand two-factor authentication and multi-factor authentication. And they're like, yeah, okay, I kind of get it. Like, yeah, maybe I'll give it a try. But then they don't know which services support it and which methods are there. 2FA Notifier is a way to just Say, hey, you know, we have this chat. Instead of you needing to remember a whole bunch of stuff, install mm-hmm. this extension. And then as you're navigating around, it'll give you the information you need to know at the time you need to know it. And then you can take an action. It'll link you right to the documentation. You can figure out how to turn it on. And you can do that you know, site by site over time. And eventually, you're gonna be in a better state.
1: You know what, Connor? Do you think before we say goodbye that we could ask a favor of your audience?
0: I would love to ask a favor. Okay. All right, audience, get ready. Let's do Every,
1: this. Everyone listening, please explain to one person in your life what MFA is and ask them to enable it on their bank accounts. And if they have any health related types of accounts or anything that's very important, help them choose what those ones are and help them turn it on just for one person in your life. Like, I love that. Someone important to you. So you're doing this for someone you love and you care about. So protect that person. And I feel like you're a serious MFA ally if you do that.
0: I love that. One thing, it could be a friend, it could be a family member, help (laughs) one person. And then when you do it even better, let us know you did it. Tweet at us and use hashtag MFA ally and use hashtag all things off. And we can start to spread this message and share good resources and One person you've helped is better than nobody getting helped. So start with one.
1: But also that person might tell so many other people. There's so much potential here. Okay, thank you, Connor. This is great. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on your show. It was so fun to turn out with you about my current session. (laughs) Yeah, no, was a pleasure chatting.
0: You know, I mentioned in the intro all these other fascinating things you're working on. We'll definitely have to have you back in the future as a guest as a lot of your exciting projects move forward.
1: Cool. Thank you so much, Connor. I'll talk to you next time.
0: You can find the show notes for today's episode by heading to allthingsoff.com podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this conversation and you'd like to support the show, I would really appreciate a rating or a review in iTunes. I personally read all of the reviews over there, and they really help others to discover the show. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next new episode in two weeks.